it is Kelly Amsutz, the genealogy investigator, and I am bringing another episode of Crime Travel in Toledo, Ohio. I thank you so much for joining me. Um, if you are a new listener, I just kind of want to let you know that you are in for a treat. Um, I really started this as a passion project to bring to life some of the old crime uh, mysteries and murder mysteries, um, even a little suicide. We'll talk a little bit about suicide today that happened in the late 1800s, early 1900s in Toledo, Ohio. Um, so I do just want to mention that um, if we have younger listeners, please make sure that you're reviewing the podcast before allowing them to listen because some of the material is sensitive. Um, but I'm really excited for us to jump in. I have two cases to bring today um, and I hope you guys are as excited as I am. So let's go ahead and let's get started. Uh, our first case um, is the 1889 murder-suicide of M. Schaefer and Mary Jane Valentine. Um, and I call this episode Through the Heart. So January 10th, 1889, there's a horrible murder and suicide in Toledo, Ohio. Um, it occurred in East Toledo on the morning of January 9th of 1889. M. Schaefer and a woman named Mary Jane Valentine, who he claimed to be his wife, and two boys who came here from Genoa, Ohio in December, took rooms in a tenement at the corner of Front Street and Platt Street in the east side of Toledo, Ohio. They were disreputable characters and had frequent quarrels. At 10.50 on Wednesday, five shots were heard by the neighbors, and soon after, another shot followed. Patrolmen forced an entrance and found the woman crouched in a corner of the room with an umbrella over her and three bullet holes in her head and one in her breast. The man lay nearby, shot through the heart, and with an empty revolver in his hand. Um, I didn't find very much else about this case. Obviously, it was a murder-suicide. Um, <clears throat> a little bit more details. Um, there was a quarrel. Um, a stranger was with them that night before, um, and they had played cards and drank all night. Uh, Schaefer quarreled with the man, asking him to leave. Uh, he would not leave. However, later on, he left um, in the morning hours. So this caused Mr. Schaefer and Mrs. Valentine to have another fight in the morning hours. And then the neighbors soon heard the five shots and then the one shot that followed. When um, the policemen entered, Obviously, they all took notes. I find it kind of interesting that she was found um, in the corner of the room with an umbrella. And so that's kind of interesting, like she was trying to ward him off. Um, that is really the gist of that case. It's just kind of interesting to see the detail that is in these cases um, when they're brought to the press because I think we're a little bit more censored today. So our next case is the Sullivan sisters. Uh, 
and their story starts in um, April of 1900. Um, beaten and one killed is the headlines that hit the morning newspaper um, and it did make front page and it reads two aged women near Toledo the victims of two brutal burglars um, April 15th about about midnight last night Joanne and Katie Sullivan sisters living four miles west of here um, so they, it, this is a Toledo, Ohio case. Um, we're beaten and maltreated by two unknown men in such a brutal manner that Kate died this morning and Joanna is now a raving maniac. The murders have not been apprehended, but the surrounding country has been secured by angry citizens. The woman were aged maiden ladies who lived alone on their farm. They were reportedly wealthy and the motive for the crime was evidently robbery. If the men are caught, a lynching is almost certain. So that's how we start off our story. Then on the 17th of April of 1900, headlines in the morning news on page one read, no clue Toledo murders. Men who assaulted the Sullivan sisters make good their escape. So no clues have been obtained by the police to identify the men who made a murderous assault on Saturday night upon Kate and Joanna Sullivan, sisters who lived on a small farm five miles west of this city. Kate Sullivan is dead and her sister is insane and dying as a result of the assault. It was learned that one of the men was tall and the other quite short. Both were shabbily dressed and one wore a slouch or army hat. The alarm was immediately sent to this city and deputy sheriffs and detectives joined a posse of armed farmers in search for the men. It is believed that the men lived somewhere in the neighborhood and returned home after the crime was committed. The sisters fought so desperately that it is hardly impossible the robbers escaped unmarked. The top rail of the fence over which they climbed in escaping is bloodstained and there are bloody footprints throughout the house. When the robbers left, they carried the woman's savings. The robbery is thought to have been their motive. The woman lived alone in a little six-room cottage standing back from the road about 200 feet, the nearest neighbor being 600 feet in distance. The robbers appeared at the kitchen door of the farmhouse just as the women were finishing supper. Both men had their faces covered with red bandana handkerchiefs. The Sullivan sisters were large, strong women and fought bravely for their lives and property. The men carried stout clubs, and with these, they beat their victims into insensibility. Then they tore the tablecloth from the table and bound and gagged the women before beginning their search for money. While the robbers were at work upstairs, Kate Sullivan managed to free herself and crawled to the nearest neighbor's house to give the alarm. How they could have escaped detection, bloodstained, as they must have been, leads plausibility to the theory that the men are living not far from the scene of the crime. That they knew all about the Sullivan sisters is probable, for there was nothing about the outside of the house to indicate wealth or even reasonable prosperity. So the sisters were attacked by mass tramps who robbed their house. Um, it happened shortly before 12 o'clock on April 14th. Um, 
the details change a little bit. Um, it does say that these robbers had white handkerchiefs tied over their faces. Um, it, the sister, the Sullivan sisters lived four miles west of West Toledo. Um, they believe that the men knocked at the door and Joanna actually opened the door and she was struck across her head with the club, which knocked her down is how they initially got into the house. Um, it's said that Kate sprang to the assistance of her sister when the second robber um, hit her with an ax, it is believed. Um, they were bound and gagged. Joanna died in a short time um, and Kate is a raving maniac as a result of her injuries and it says that the robbers got away with $200 in money. Now this story was in Buffalo and I find this really interesting and I kind of wanted to highlight it because the names are obviously different and we have to remember that during this time it's not like it is today where it could simply be just emailed to somebody um, or for that matter, even someone picking up a phone. I mean, we are in 1889, 1900s at this point. Um, so it's really, really interesting just to see how details can get so flipped around. That's why I try to consult quite a few different stories. Um, so now we move into, um, we're in 1902. Um, the actual murder happened in 1889. So, or sorry, in 1900. So it's been two years. And the Sandusky Star reports um, that on the 25th of June in 1902, Ale and Ben Wade and Ben Landis um, are doing time for horse stealing and in, indicated by the grand jury um, at Toledo for the murder of Kate Sullivan two years ago. It is said that Ben Wade confessed to this murder. So then we move a little bit further and we are now into 1903. So a year after the confession, we're in January 29th, the Valley Times star states that the murder mystery is cleared. Um, a somewhat notorious murder mystery of two years standing was cleared when Miss Joanna Sullivan in court positively identified Alan Ben Wade as the murderers of her sister, Miss Kate Sullivan. The Sullivan sisters, both of whom were aged spinsters, lived just outside the city limits on a farm um, outside of Toledo, Ohio. Two years ago, two men entered their house, robbed them of all the money the sisters had hidden, and beat the women so badly that one died of her wounds. The other called the mile to give the alarm and was nearly dead from exhaustion when she was found. So obviously our story is a little bit skewed here um, because our details stated that Kate was the one that crawled and went a mile to give alarm. But I think it really was Joanna because um, obviously Kate had succumbed to her injuries. So then when we, um, when we dig a little bit further, um, in 1910, so 1903 is when Ale Wade and Ben Wade were um, sentenced for the murder of Kate and the robbery. So in 1910, 
I found an article that said that Al Wade and Ben Wade were sent to the electric chair from Lucas County um, in 1910. So they were actually um, sent to the electric chair for the murders that they had committed. So I find that super interesting. Um, obviously this case um, reads a little bit different. I just find it interesting. Like I just want to share all the little inconsistencies because I think it, it, it shows the history and it shows how communications can get so mixed up. I know when I was a kid, we would play telephone um, and it was always interesting to see how the story changes when it's tried to be passed on through ear to ear to ear. Um, and I think we have the same circumstances going on here. And I was trying to find articles, not just in the near vicinity, but the stories tend to go pretty wide. Um, so like the, the, um, article that states that they that Ben and Al Wade were given the electric chair that was from the Cincinnati Enquirer in 1910. Um, the Valley Times Star reported the murder mystery was cleared in 1903. So it's just really interesting to see how different news outlets back in that you know early 1900 period were reporting with the facts that they were given. So um, I do just want to remind you, I do try to keep my cases pretty short and sweet. Um, I don't want to overload anybody. You know, this is a new format for me and I'm really excited to share. Um, if you guys have any feedback, I'm all ears. So please be sure that you're using the links, email me, um, you know, use my website, make sure that you're signing up for the newsletter. I think that that's really, really important um, as we continue to move forward. And the next episode, I'm super excited. I call it the drunk man's deed. Um, and it is all about the murder of Miss Caroline Hunt. So I hope you guys tune in for that. Um, again, I do my podcast every other Thursday, um, usually twice a month. Sometimes you get an extra one in there. So I'm really excited for you guys all to be listening. Um, and if there's something that you want to hear or something that you want to learn more about, please feel free to reach out. Um, I love being an open book, so I'm really, really excited about what I do and love sharing with you. So at this time, I'm going to pause for a quick ad. Right. So, um, with the genealogy investigator, I take the stress out of creating your family tree and uncovering your ancestors' stories. By doing the fully cited research reports for you at a reasonable price, I'm actually saving you the time and the energy of doing it yourself. I have subscriptions to many of the research sites that are available out there, which can cost well over $1,500 a year. And after subscribing, you'll have to spend hours of learning how to use each of those sites' unique search features and capabilities. Then there's more hours struggling to find your ancestors, wondering, did I get it right? So relax and leave the research to the expert. With 24 years of experience, I have been surprising my clients for years with customized reports about their ancestors, including everything from census, marriage, birth, and death records, even the occasional unexpected ancestor photograph. 
You can read through many of my testimonies on my website to help find peace of mind in your wise decision in hiring me, Kelly Amsa, to the genealogy investigator. Let me walk with your ancestors to share their stories. Um, I also want to let you know that I do um, a educational program. Um, it's called the Genealogy Academy. It is a fully comprehensive certificate program. Um, it is six weeks of self-paced learning, but the unique part about it is you have full access to me while you are enrolled in the course. Um, I basically go from A to Z on how to really level up your genealogy passion to even turn it into a business with how to research according to the genealogical proof standards to how to do handle citations um, how to start your business off right and how to continue getting clients and marketing and all those ins and outs that come with being a business owner um, i leveled up my career leaving the corporate world to be a full-time genealogist um, I absolutely love, love, love what I do, and I love helping others be able to have a full-time genealogy business. So if that is something that you are looking for, please check out the Genealogy Academy. And finally, um, coming up, I will have the DNA and Genetic Genealogy Academy opening up. Um, it is still in the review part uh, of the process, but I am super, super excited. I should have it launched by, um, I would say probably within the next few weeks, if I'm being honest. So um, I'm really, really excited and be sure to check that out. And at this time, we're going to go ahead and conclude. Um, please tune in to the next podcast where we talk about the drunk man, Steve. I will see you next time.